the Buddha described uh, in one of the teachings that I love, uh, the journey of awakening, uh, what that process looks like. Uh, and of course, this is what he learned through his own experience and then what he taught. And while it's not a linear process, it's a cause and effect process. The journey of awakening, interestingly, actually begins with suffering. Uh, we're suffering, we recognize that, we have a wish to come to the end of our suffering. Uh, and when there is some clarity into that truth, we also begin to understand that there's a way out of our suffering uh, and we develop conviction. So actually a clear understanding and sometimes it's just that moment, that proverbial moment of clarity that we have when we realize that we're suffering and at the same time we realize there's a moment, a way out. So that understanding in a clear uh, and deep way of our suffering leads to conviction that there's a way out. Uh, and that we can find this way out uh, through our actions. So ultimately, or conviction means in large part, conviction in the law of karma, that our actions are what are going to determine our happiness. So this leads us to taking skillful action. So skillful action, developing our skillful qualities, is the next step. And again, it's not a linear process, but it's very important to understand the cause and effect process. So we learn to develop our skillful qualities. In the teaching, of course, it begins with generosity and ethical conduct, following the precepts not to kill, not to steal, not to engage in illicit sex, not to uh, engage in false speech, not to take intoxicants that cause heedlessness. And then, of course, all the other elements of skillful action skillful uh, our deeds, our speech, skillful thought. So the development of skillful action, the development of our skillful qualities, very interestingly, that leads to joy. That leads to joy. Uh, and we cultivate that joy by reflecting on our goodness, reflecting on our skillful action and our skillful qualities. We reflect on our goodness and we cultivate joy. It's an interesting, it's an interesting understanding that the Buddha had uh, because we don't just develop our skillful qualities, we also have to reflect on them and cultivate joy in them. And that's essential because if we miss that middle part, then we don't get to the next part, which is the development of concentration. So this joy that we develop through reflecting on our skillful qualities, not just take, acting in a skillful way, but actually reflecting and taking joy in our skillfulness and our goodness, our generosity, our virtue. Uh, uh, this joy is what leads to the development of concentration. It's the proximate cause of concentration. Concentration leads to wisdom, and wisdom is, leads to the end of suffering. So this reflection on our goodness, we, we uh, began to talk a little bit about what we talk about a lot, but we talked about it uh, last week uh, uh, a little bit, and I thought it would be really good to talk about this a little bit more today and, and talk a little bit more about it. Uh, this reflection on our goodness uh, and cultivating joy as we reflect on our goodness is an essential element of the path that the Buddha laid out. It's an essential element of the path that the Buddha laid out. 
So, you know, this is a, a process of reflection that, you know, we teach, you know, really right from the beginning, you know. I mean, I, I teach it in the first beginner's class uh, because it's, and it's so integral, you know, and it's, it, it, you know, and it's, of course, you know, it, it's something that, uh, you know, that we can do, you know, it's a skill that we have to learn and like all skills, it takes time. Uh, the skill in and of itself is, is pretty straightforward the way the Buddha taught it. Uh, but again, these skills take time to develop. So we learn to reflect on our goodness, uh, which means, you know, we think about it, right? We think about it. You know, the term that we often use is fabrication, fabrication. So we think about our goodness and we use words or an image. So you might think about how you've been generous or you might think about you know, what you've done in terms of a particular precept, or you might think about uh, your meditation practice. These are the areas that we think about. These are these three areas of merit, uh, generosity, virtue, and meditation. Uh, the three basic areas of uh, our goodness. And of course, there's other ways to reflect on our goodness and other categories that we can reflect to in terms of bringing brightness to the mind, but it's really important that we develop generosity and virtue and meditation and reflect on uh, what we've done and reflect on the truth of our goodness. Uh, so, you know, we think about our generosity, we think about our virtue, we think about our meditation. I kind of went through it in the meditation, to, you know, at the beginning of the meditation today. Uh, we think about the times we've been generous or how we've been generous throughout our lives. We think about how we've practiced ethical conduct. We think about our meditation. Wow, I've been meditating for a week. You know, this is an expression of our, my goodness. I've been meditating for a month, a year, 10 years, whatever. I'm making an effort off the cushion to abandon unskillful qualities and cultivate skillful qualities. This is an expression of our, my goodness. So we, we reflect uh, using words, uh, images and then of course we try to drop deeper than just the fabrication into an aware some kind of a felt sense right so you know when we reflect we use words but we're trying to get down into the body and then into the heart so yeah i practiced generosity i really helped my friend uh, when they were ill and suffering or i helped my friend do this or i uh, helped my child i've helped my children grow up or i've really made an effort to uh, refrain from false speech or whatever, or I'm making an effort to meditate. We we say those words, but then we let that drop into the body, that understanding, you know, and we begin to connect into a felt way, into the truth of uh, our goodness. And sometimes we have to, you know, use fabrication in a way to guide ourselves into the body and into the heart. And when we reflect on our goodness, you know, essentially what we're doing is seeing our goodness as a blessing. That, you know, I, as a human being, I've been bestowed with this, this goodness, just as all human beings are bestowed with this goodness. Uh, I've been bestowed, and, you know, and, and what a blessing that is. You know? uh, and uh, I've made an effort to cultivate it and to develop this goodness. You know, develop, good, our goodness has to be developed. We all have it. Of course, we have to make this effort to develop it. So the heart understands this, you know, the heart understands that we have this goodness uh, and that this is our birthright. Uh, and 
the heart can acknowledge that and the ways that we've developed our goodness. The mind, eh, the mind argues with that a lot. Uh, so this reflection on our goodness uh, leads to gratitude. This is a kind of an emotion. We feel it in the body. We recognize our goodness as a blessing, something that we've been bestowed with as a human being. There's no, it's really actually just the opposite of ego, you know? It's sort of like ego is like, I have this goodness, you know, and I've got a little more goodness than the person in the box next to me, or I have less goodness in the box next to me. That's also conceit. That's just as, that's just as much of a conceit, right? It's like, we all have this goodness. I have this goodness, you know, you know, through no fault of my own, you know, as a human being, I've been bestowed with this goodness and I've made an effort to the extent that I have to develop it. So we're grateful that we've been given this gift, you know, of goodness, the Dharma, you know, the Dharma inside, you know, we talk about, you could think about goodness as the Dharma inside and that gratitude leads to a quality of appreciation or joy. So, you know, as the Buddha often says, uh, this is something you have to reflect on and you have to reflect on it often. You know, so, you know, I always suggest, you know, reflecting on it every day in your meditation, but you want to reflect on it during the course of your day at different times when it's appropriate or sometimes just a pause to reflect. So the term the Buddha uses is repeated reflection, repeated reflection. It's like any other skill, you know, it's sort of, uh, we, we get good at skills through practice, through making effort. You know, uh, this is how we, you know, even, even, you know, the most talented athletes, you know, what tends to separate, you know, a great athlete from, you know, one that isn't is they practice, they put in the effort. It's the same thing in developing these skills. And one of my favorite passages, which is in the notes and many of you are familiar with is when the Buddha is talking to Mahanama, who was a householder and he's encouraging him to, to reflect on his good qualities. In this passage, he's, he, reflect, he encourages him to reflect on his virtue, his ethical conduct, the way he follows the precepts. He says, furthermore, there is the case where you recollect your virtues. They are untorn, unbroken, unspotted, splattered, liberating, praised by the wise, untarnished, conducive to concentration. At any time when a disciple of the noble ones is recollecting virtue, his mind is not overcome with passion, not overcome with aversion, not overcome with delusion. That's an interesting piece because in part what that means is like when you're reflecting in a skillful way, you know, you're connected to the truth in the heart. You know, when you're not reflecting in a skillful way and the mind is getting involved, then there's, oh, I'm not really that virtuous, you know, or I want to be as virtuous as the other person. But at any time when a noble one is recollecting virtue, his mind is not overcome with passion, desire, not overcome with aversion, not overcome with delusion. His mind heads straight based on virtue. And when the mind is headed straight, the disciple of the noble ones gains a sense of the goal, gains a sense of the Dhamma, gains joy connected with the Dhamma. In one who is joyful, rapture arises. Now he's talking about the qualities of concentration. In one who is joyful, rapture arises. In one who is rapturous, the body grows calm. One whose body is calmed experiences ease. How many times did I say that in the meditation? In one at ease, the mind becomes concentrated. And then, of course, here's the, the real kicker. 
Mahanama, you should develop this recollection of virtue while you are walking, while you are standing, while you are sitting, while you are lying down, while you are busy at work, while you are resting in your home crowded with children. It's a skill and it's not easy, you know? It's not easy for us, but it's something that we, we can do and something really, you know, again, that we have to learn to do to be in touch with our goodness, to be in touch with the truth of our goodness. So it's very important to learn to be in touch with our goodness, to know the truth of our goodness in the heart. So it transcends intellectual understanding and in the heart. You know, when you learn to reflect in a skillful way, over time through repeated reflection, you begin to connect to that understanding in the heart. You know, which is much deeper than the understanding in the head that says, I have a goodness, or the understanding that comes from me telling you that you have a basic goodness. Each one of you has a basic goodness, just like the Buddha had. You know, but we need to begin to connect that. Now, I may say that, and you may begin to connect to that truth in the heart, but ultimately we need to know that in the heart. Oh yeah, I do have this goodness. I know this. I know this. This isn't, you know, I talked about this last week, right? This isn't this isn't uh, a question, you know? You know this, you know it to be true. It's a truth, it's a truth, it's Dhamma. Just what the Buddha says here, you know? Uh, when the mind is headed straight, the disciple one gains a sense of the goal, gains a sense of the Dhamma. Uh, in another passage, he's talking to Mahanama and he says, when you do this reflection, you're in tune with the Dhamma. You're in tune with the truth. You're in tune with the truth. So we need to learn to be in tune with the truth, to reflect, but to know this in the heart. So we can do good things, right? So this is, this is, this is something to reflect on. You know, we can do good things. We can practice generosity. We can follow the precepts. We can practice meditation and not be in touch with our goodness. So this is very important to understand. You know, we can do good things and not be in touch with our goodness. So we need to do good things and we also need to be in touch with our goodness in turn. And really our capacity to really do good things is going to come from an understanding that we have this deep goodness. So we can do good things and not be in touch with our goodness. We may be prone instead to self-judgment we often judge ourselves about our merit, right? Oh, I'm not so generous. I'm not really a generous person. You know, I, you know, I'm good on four of the precepts, but one I really suck on. You know, uh, you know, I know I've been meditating for 27 years, but you know, you know, I, you know, I really haven't hit one out of the park in terms of a good meditation yet. You know, that kind of a thing. You know, so we can be prone to self-judgment when it comes to our merit, when it comes to all of our actions. There may be other mental qualities that block us off. And we talked about this last week, you know, that I shouldn't be doing this. You know, I shouldn't be doing, you know, this is, I'm being, you know, this is hubris. You know, uh, to, be, to be acknowledging, you know, my goodness in this way. This is the truth. You know, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, we're not, uh, being egotistical, as I said, we're just connecting with what's true. Uh, so sometimes we have to, you know, kind of talk our way through that. 
we have to work with these things, right? We have to work with the way the mind is. Uh, and we have to see, you know, how we might object to this reflection, right? I mean, I, I see, I talked about this last week. I mean, I see this in my mind a lot, you know. Uh, you know, I can reflect on, or you've been teaching the Dharma for all these years. You've helped a lot of people. You know, you've really, in large part, have uh, offered these teachings from the heart. You know, but the mind, you know, the mind can just... Yeah, but this happened, and you did this, and you said that to this person, and you didn't do this, and you didn't do that, and all these things, right? So, it's hard. You know, it's hard because the, these these qualities in the mind, these habitual ways of relating to ourselves. So, so you know, as a meditation student, you know, you can kind of go two ways with that. One, you can say, well, I can't do this, or you can make it a learning experience, and really. The Dharma student makes everything a learning experience. You know, we don't say, I can't develop an understanding of my goodness. We say, well, what's getting in the way? How can I learn from this? What is there to learn here? You know, there may be a profound learning right there in that quality of mind that's preventing us from understanding our goodness. So, you know, we tend to say, you know, we tend to think of things in a very fixed way. This is a skill that I don't have the ability to, to develop. Yeah, it's like when I tried to learn guitar, it's like, I, I can't do this, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, we may think about this in terms of this skill and many other skills, but that's not really, you know, at the risk of being critical what a Dharma student does. The Dharma student, you know, makes it a learning experience, you know, says, well, what's going on here? How can I learn from this? How can I learn from this? So it's not enough just to do good things. It's not enough just to do good things. I think we all kind of know that because we can do a lot of good things and judge ourselves. I mean, it's okay, and it's better than not doing good things. You know? It's better than not doing good things. You know, Ajahn Lee used to talk about this a lot, right? You know, Ajahn Lee was sort of my teacher's teacher's teacher. Uh, you know, great master in Thailand, you know, and he said, you know, it's, it's okay if you go to the monastery, you know, and you show up on Sundays at the monastery, you know, but, you know, you really want to get anywhere, come to the monastery because you're doing it because, and, and you're in touch with your goodness, you know, you're not doing it out of a sense of obligation or this is what I'm supposed to do or maybe I'll get something in return, you know, you know. We, we, we go to the monastery, we practice the Dharma ultimately because we're in touch with our goodness and it's joyful. So, you know, it's good to meditate, it's good to develop ethical conduct, it's good to practice generosity, that's good, but we, if we want to develop the path and follow this journey to awakening, we have to do a little bit more than that. The teaching is asking us a little, to do a little bit more than that, you know. We have to not just do good things, but we have to be connected to the heart, to the truth of our goodness, understand our goodness, and take joy in it, and take joy in it. Now, if we do good things, but we're not in touch with our goodness, it will only take us so far along the path, and our capacity to do good things will be limited, will be limited. 
if we're not in touch with our goodness. So when we're in touch with the truth of our goodness, our practice thrives. Our practice thrives. You know, it's like any other thing in life, really. If you think of an athlete, you know, you know, and an athlete has, you know, maybe great skill and ability, you know, but doesn't think that he or she does, you know. But then if the athlete is in tune with her ability and has confidence in that, then they can do great things. So when we're in touch with the truth of our goodness, our generosity thrives. Our generosity thrives. We understand that we have this goodness and we understand it's such a, you know, this is such a gift and it's so joyful to develop it. So we give. So we give. We want to give. We want to give. We go from that sort of begrudging, I know I should give, to I want to give because I have this goodness and I want to express it. I want to develop it and I want to deepen it. And this is the most joyful thing that I can do in this life. We understand that our giving puts us in harmony with what is best in us and best about us. And we understand the joy that comes from giving because we've cultivated an understanding through this reflection. You know, when we're in touch with the truth of our goodness, our virtue thrives. We know that we have a goodness and we want to express it. We want to allow it to thrive. You know, you know, people tend to think of the precepts as sort of a punishment. You know, don't do this, you know, that kind of a thing. And they can be taught that way. And certainly we may have been brought up in traditions, you know, that, that may have, you know, looked at these kinds of precepts or ethical guidelines as a punishment, you know. But as we begin to get in touch with our goodness, we understand that following the precepts, you know, is an expression of what is best in us. It's an expression of what's best about us. And you know, we want to follow the precepts because we know that we have this goodness and we know that uh, you know, this is, you know, expressing it is how we can fulfill our time on this planet and in this life. And we know that it's joyful to give. We know it's a good thing. We understand it's a good thing. We understand that the development of our goodness is, 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 you know, what's better than that? What's more joyful than that? We understand that. So we want to follow the precepts. So we go from, oh, I've got to follow these precepts, you know, to I want to follow them. And of course, when we're in touch with the truth of our goodness, our meditation thrives. You know, this is where, that's why the Buddha said, you know, the merit that comes from meditation is the most profound of all, because when we're in touch with our goodness, uh, we want to develop our meditation so that we can further develop our goodness. Because when we're in touch with our goodness, we understand our goodness, we understand our potential, if you will. We understand the happiness that comes from developing our goodness. So what do we do? We, we want to meditate. We want to be in tune with our goodness. We want it to shine. So we practice. So we practice. And you know what? The practice is joyful. The practice is joyful, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when we don't feel one breath. Hey, I'm doing this. I'm doing what needs to be done, as the teachings say. I always love that. I'm doing what needs to be done in the service of developing our goodness. And it's difficult and it's hard and we don't feel one breath. And Mara's, you know, chewing off one of our ears. But we take joy and that we're on the path and we're doing what has to be done in this life. 
So we practice the Dharma so that we can develop our goodness. You know, you know, it's our goodness that will see us through in meditation and in life. You know, I mean, in the end, it's it's all we got. You know, it's all we got is our goodness. And and, and our goodness, they, they can't take that away from you. They can take everything else away from you, including this life and this body, but they can't take away your goodness. You know, it's what's joyful in this life, and it's what we leave behind. So I thought I would just recite the Mary Oliver poem, Wild Geese, which really speaks to this, and we'll just end with the talk with the poem, which is in the notes. Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for hundreds of miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscape, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. <laughs>